everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Savela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free Joshua Tree. Now, if you listen to this program regularly, you know that I'm a big fan of fairy tales. Fairy tales have been grossly misunderstood for the last century or two, I think, because they've been relegated to children's literature and even made children's entertainment. And even worse, they generally get used as part of children's education. We use fairy tales to teach kids how to behave and how to share and be generous, and we turn them into parables. Now, I'm all for those lessons. I think it's very important to learn how to share. I think greed is bad. And I happen to think that many of us adults need to be reminded of that. (laughs) But my point is that we don't really know where these things that we call fairy tales originated. We know that they existed as part of an oral tradition long before anybody started writing them down. Maybe they were originally dreams. Maybe they've been twisted and tweaked and reworked over the years like many of the things that we call myths. In any event, I think it's a mistake to dismiss them. And I found one recently that has really been intriguing me, let's put it that way, that I want to share with you. It's a fairy tale called The Fisherman and His Wife, which was collected by the Brothers Grimm. And they got the story from a painter named Philip Otto Runge, who was himself a folklorist. And of course, we don't know how long this story was told or who originally told it or any of those things. And this story is a great example of one that often gets dismissed as a simple story about the need to be satisfied with your station in life, to not be greedy, to learn when enough is enough, and so on and so forth. I feel like there's something else going on in this story, though, something that is a little bit more complex and a little bit more profound. So I'm going to tell you the story, and I invite you to pay attention to the details and the images that capture your imagination. And given the context that I've provided here, maybe refrain from letting yourself jump to the simple and obvious parable that you might be able to find in this story. Depending on how much time I have at the end, I'll uh, share with you a few of my thoughts about the story. The Fisherman and His Wife Once upon a time, there was a fisherman and his wife, and they were very poor, and they lived together in a filthy little shack near the sea. Every day, the fisherman went out fishing, and this is how he spent his time. 
Now, one day, he was sitting there and looking into the clear water. And he cast out his line, and his hook went down, down, down to the bottom, deep down. And he felt a little tug. And when he pulled it out, he found that he had caught a large flounder. He started to pull the flounder up out of the water. And the flounder said to him, Listen, fisherman, I beg you to let me go, let me live. Because you see, I'm not an ordinary flounder. I am an enchanted prince. So it's not going to do you any good to kill me because I wouldn't taste good. So please just put me back in the water and let me swim away. Well, said the man, uh, there's no need to say more. I can certainly let a fish who knows how to talk off the hook. I can certainly let you swim away. And with that, he put the fish back into the water and the flounder disappeared to the bottom, leaving a long trail of blood behind him. Then the fisherman got up and went home to his wife in their crappy little shack. Husband, said the wife, did you catch anything today? No, the man told her. I caught a flounder, but then he told me that he was an enchanted prince, if you can believe that, so I let him swim away. Well, you didn't ask him for anything first, said the woman. Well, no, said the man. I am what what should I have asked him for? Oh my god, said the woman. It's terrible living in this shack. It stinks and it's filthy. Well, you should have asked him for a little cottage for us. So I want you to go back and tell him. Tell the flounder that we want to have a little cottage. He will surely give it to us. Oh, said the man, I don't know. I mean, why why should I go back there? Look, said the woman, you did catch him, and you let him swim away. So he will surely do this for us. I want you to go right now. Well, the man didn't want to go, but... He really didn't want to get into a long argument with his wife either. So he went back to the seashore. When he got back to the sea, it was no longer clear. The water was now kind of uh, greenish yellow. And he stood on the bank and said, on the beach, and said, Monde, Monde, Tempe, tea, flounder, flounder in the sea. My wife, my wife, Isabel, wants not, wants not what I will. And the flounder swam up and said, Well, what does she want then? Oh, the man said, uh, You see, I did catch you. And I did then let you go. And so now my wife says that I really should have asked you for something. She doesn't want to live in a filthy crummy shack any longer. She would like to have a cottage. Go home, said the flounder. She already has it. So the man went home, and there his wife was standing in the door of a cottage. 
And she said to him, Come in, come in. See now, isn't this much, much better? There was a little front yard and a beautiful little living room and a separate bedroom and a kitchen and a dining room. And everything was beautifully furnished. And they had tin and brass utensils and pots and pans and everything was spick and span and lovely. And outside in the little yard, there were even some chickens and a garden with vegetables and fruit. Look, said the woman, isn't this nice? Well, yes, said the man, and this is quite enough. We can live here very well. Ah, we will think about that, said the woman. And then the two of them ate something and they went to bed. Now everything was fine and it went well for a week or two. And then the woman said, listen, husband, this cottage, it's, it's too small. The yard and the garden, they're too little. And, you know, that flounder could have given us a larger house. I would like to live in a large stone palace. Go back to the flounder and tell him to give us a palace. A wife, said the man, the cottage is good enough. Why would we want to live in a palace? Now I know why, said the woman. Now you you just go. The flounder can do that. Now wife, said the man, the flounder has just given us the cottage. I don't I don't want to go back too soon. It it might make the the flounder angry. Oh, for God's sake, said the woman, just go. He can do it and he's not going to mind doing it. So just go. Now the man's heart was heavy and he didn't really want to go. He said to himself, oh, well, I don't think this is right. But he went anyway. And when he arrived at the sea, this time the water was purple and kind of a dark blue and very dense, and he couldn't see very far into it. And he stood there and said, Monday, Monday, tempe tea, flounder, flounder, in the sea. My wife, my wife, Isabel, wants not, wants not what I will. And the fish appeared. What does she want then? said the flounder. Oh, said the man sadly. Uh, My wife, she wants to live in a stone palace. Go home. She's already standing before the door, said the flounder. So the man went his way. And when he arrived, there in the place of the cottage was a large stone palace. His wife was standing in the doorway, about to enter. She took him by the hand and said, Come along, come inside. He went inside with her. And inside the palace, there was a large front hallway with rooms off on either side, marble floors as far as you could see, servants opening up the large doors for them. The walls were all white and covered with beautiful tapestries. Crystal chandeliers hung down from the ceilings. The place was spectacular. The rooms and the chambers, they all had carpets. And the table in the dining room 
was loaded with food and the very best wine. Outside the house, there was a courtyard with carriages and stalls for horses and cows, and there was a magnificent garden here with the most beautiful flowers and fruit trees and a forest with elk and deer and rabbits and anything you could possibly want to hunt. Now, said the woman, isn't this nice? Oh, yes, said the man. This is quite enough. We can live in this beautiful palace and be satisfied. Oh, we'll think about it, said the woman. Let's sleep on it. And with that, they went to bed. The next morning, the woman woke up first. The sun was just rising, and from her bed she could see the magnificent landscape in front of her. Her beautiful garden, her courtyard, and the forest. Her husband was just starting to move around when she poked him in the side with her elbow and said, Husband, now get up and go and look out the window. Isn't this fantastic? Isn't the land beautiful? Look, couldn't, couldn't we be king over all this land? Oh, wife, said the man, why would we want to be king? I don't want to be king. Well, said the woman, even if you don't want to be king, I do. I want to be king. Oh, wife, said the man, why do you want to be king? I don't want to tell him that. Why not, said the woman. He did this. Go there immediately. I must be king. So the man, saddened because his wife wanted to be king, went back to the sea. This is not right, he thought. And he didn't want to go, but he went anyway. When he arrived at the sea, it was dark gray, and the water heaved up from below, and it didn't smell very good. He stood there and said, Monday, Monday, tempe tea, flounder, flounder in the sea, my wife, my wife, Isabel wants not, wants not what I will. What does she want then? said the flounder. Oh, said the man, uh, she wants to be king. Go home. She is already king, said the flounder. Then the man went home. And when he arrived there, the palace had become much larger. And now there were tall towers and a, and a gate with sentries standing by the door. There were soldiers with drums and trumpets marching about in the courtyard. And when he went out inside, everything was marble and gold and the chairs all had velvet covers. These huge doors were opened by servants and he was led in to the throne room and there was his wife sitting on a high throne of gold and precious jewels.
she was wearing a very large golden crown. And on either side of her, there stood a line of maids in waiting, all in perfectly pressed uniforms. O wife, said the man, are you now king? Yes, she said, now I am king. He stood and looked at her. And after he'd looked at her for a while, he said, Wife, it's uh, very nice that you are king. Now we don't have to wish for anything else. No, husband, she said, moving restlessly in her throne. Actually, time is on my hands. I can't stand it any longer. Go to the flounder. I am king, but now I must become emperor. Oh, wife, said the man, why do you want to become emperor? Husband, she said, just go to the flounder. I want to be emperor. Oh, wife, said the man, he can't make you emperor. I cannot tell the flounder to do that. You know there's only one emperor in the realm. The flounder can't, he can't do that. He can't make you the emperor. What? said the woman. I'm king and you are my husband. Now, are you going? Go there immediately. If he can make me king, then he can make me emperor. I want to be and have to be the emperor. So just go. And so the man had to go. And on the way, he thought to himself, oh, this is not going to end well. I'm to ask to be the emperor. Oh, the flounder is going to get very tired of all of this. And with that, he arrived at the sea. Now the water was all black and boiling up from within the froth Riding on the waves was curdled, and a strong wind was blowing. And he stood there and said, Monday, Monday, tempe tea, flounder, flounder in the sea. My wife, my wife, Isabel, once not, once not, what I will. What does she want then? said the flounder. Oh, flounder, he said, my wife wants to become emperor. Go home, said the flounderer. She is already emperor. The man went home, and when he arrived there, the entire palace was made of marble and alabaster. And all of the decorations were gold. There were even more soldiers marching around outside of the gates. And when he went in, there were barons and counts and dukes walking around like servants. They opened the doors for him and the doors were made of pure gold. 
When he went inside, his wife was sitting on a throne that was made out of one solid piece of gold, and it was twice as big as the throne that she'd had before. And she was wearing an even larger golden crown. It was three yards high, set with diamonds. Now, in addition to the maids in waiting, were two rows of bodyguards standing on either side. There were many dukes and princes standing in front of her. And the man went up and stood among them and said, Wife, are you emperor now? Yes, she said. I am emperor. He stood and looked at her and After looking at her for a while, he said, Wife, it is very nice that you are emperor. Husband, she said, Why are you standing there? Now that I am emperor, I want to become pope. Oh, wife, said the man, What do you not want? There is only one pope in all of Christendom. The flounder cannot make you pope. Husband, she said, I want to become pope. Go there immediately. I must become pope this very day. No, wife, the man said. I I can't tell him to do that. It will come to no good. This is way too much. Husband, said the woman, what nonsense are you speaking? If he can make me emperor, then he can make me pope as well. Go there now. I am the emperor, and you are my husband. So you're going. The man left. He was terribly frightened, and he felt sick all over. His knees were shaking and the wind was blowing hard all across the land. Clouds flew by as the darkness of evening fell down all around him. Leaves were blowing from the trees and when he got to the shore the water was roaring and boiling in huge waves as it crashed up on the shore. And in the distance he could see ships shooting out distress signals as they tossed around on this sudden giant storm. And there was a little bit of blue in the middle of the sky, but on all the sides around it had turned red, as if there was a terrible lightning storm going off out on the sea. In despair, he stood there and said, Monde, Monde, Tempe tea, flounder, flounder in the sea. My wife, my wife, Isabel, once not, once not, what I will. What does she want then? said the flounder. Oh, said the man, she wants to become Pope. Go home, said the flounder, she is already Pope. So he went home, 
and when he arrived there was a large church surrounded by nothing but palaces and he he had to force his way through the crowd and inside everything was illuminated with thousands and thousands of lights and his wife was clothed in pure gold and sitting on an even larger throne and this time she was wearing three large golden crowns on either side were two banks of candles and the largest one was as thick and tall as a tower all of the emperors and the kings were kneeling before her kissing her slipper wife said the man giving her a good look are you pope now yes she said i am pope and he stood there and looked at her and it was as if he was looking into the very bright sun and after a while he said wife it's it's good that you are pope and she sat there as stiff as a tree neither stirring not moving so he said wife wife be satisfied now that you are the pope there is nothing else that you can become i have to think about that said the woman and they went to bed but she she was not satisfied her desires could not would not let her sleep and she kept thinking about what she wanted to become next well the man he slept soundly because he'd been running back and forth to the sea all day but the woman she tossed and turned and tossed and turned and and suddenly she looked out the window and the sun was about to rise and when she saw that early light of dawn she sat up in bed and she watched the sun come up through the window ah she thought could i not cause the sun and moon to rise husband she said poking him in the ribs again wake up and and go back to the flounder i want to become like god the man who was still mostly asleep was so startled that he fell out of bed he he didn't think he'd heard right so he he rubbed his eyes and said what wife what what did you say husband she said i cannot stand it when i see the sun and the moon rising knowing that i can't cause them to do so i will not have a single hour of peace until i myself can cause them to rise she looked at him and her look made him shudder go there immediately i want to become like god oh wife said the man falling on his knees before her the flounder cannot do that i beg you remain pope she got very angry she started walking up and down stamping her feet her hair flew around her head wildly she started kicking at the furniture and screaming i can't stand it i can't stand it any longer go there and the man pulled on his clothes and ran off like a madman down to the sea well now the storm that was raging was so strong that he could hardly stand on his feet the houses and the trees were blowing over the mountains were shaking 
And when he got to the sea, the sky was as black as pitch, and there was thunder and lightning. And in the sea, the black waves were as high as church towers and mountains, all capped with white crowns of foam. Manje, manje, tempe tea, flounder, flounder in the sea. My wife, my wife, Ilsebel, wants not, wants not what I will. What does she want done? said the flounder. Oh, he said, she wants to become like God. Go home, said the flounder. She is. She is sitting in her filthy shack again. And they are sitting there even today. Now, what is this story about? Certainly greed is an important part of it. But we have a man and a woman, the archetypal feminine and the archetypal masculine in reversed roles. The man's passive, the woman is active, tells us that we have a psyche here that is out of balance. It's lost its sense of proportion and relationship. And so it's become merely a blind ambition. And what accompanies that is the confusion of a desire for the gifts of life, maybe even the gifts of spirit, represented by the fishing in the unconscious and the conversation with the living content of the unconscious, which is the flounder, the fish. The confusion of that real wealth with material wealth and power. Personally, I think all of the storming and the raging that goes on mirrors the conflict and the turmoil in the psyche of this couple, which I read to be an individual, man and woman, archetypal, feminine, and masculine, united. Well, I'm out of time here for today. I hope you enjoyed this story. Please tune in next week. And in the meantime, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive.